Hi there, this is Phil St. Romain. In this podcast, we're going to reflect on the prayer of Jesus, Paul, and the early Christians. What did prayer mean to them? What did they teach? And what did they actually do? This message is taken from a video series on Christian prayer methods that I've published online. You can find out more about it through my website at shalomplace.com where you will also find links to my books, online courses, and ways to support our ministry. That's S-H-A-L-O-M-P-L-A-C-E dot com. And now, our podcast. The first point is that prayer is a relationship between the Creator and a creature. This was certainly true for the early Christians as it was for the Jews. God was understood to be the supreme being, the source of our being, and we can therefore approach God as a creature and seek relationship with God or favors from God. They also understood themselves to be in a covenantal relationship with God. That's sort of like a relationship of family members, different from a contract contract is you do this for me and I'll do that for you but covenant is I belong to you and you belong to me we have certain expectations of each other and if we go against some really important expectations and boundaries well we can rupture that family relationship but by and large we still belong to each other even when we hurt each other And so the character of their prayer was relational and dialogical. They sought to know God as relational partner, largely through love. God was someone who could be loved. Indeed, in the covenant, God was one who sought out God's people to invite them into a relationship of love. And so that defines the very character of prayer. We're responding to the one who is already seeking us and inviting us into a relationship of love. Might as well say what prayer was not, while we're at it, was not about seeking higher states of consciousness. If this came, mystical visions and whatnot, it was as a result of a growing relationship with God. It wasn't something that people sought out It's not mindfulness practice either in the Buddhist sense of the word. Certainly we're called to be aware, but that's not the point of our prayer, to become one with everything, to become aware, to diminish reflectivity. Prayer was not even any one particular method or technique. As we'll see, there were a lot of different kinds of methods of prayer used in early Christianity Sometimes it's difficult indeed to figure out just what in the world they were doing because they didn't have one particular method. Because prayer was like a dialogue in a relationship, well, it's sort of like that with human beings with each other. We don't always talk to each other using the same method. It all depends on what's going on in the relationship. So prayer was not either about connecting with one's inner divinity as uh, some of the early Gnostic Christians were about, trying to unite their inner divine spark with the divine. 
and certainly wasn't even about escaping the evil world of matter, as some of the uh, early Gnostics were about. For Jesus and the Jews and the early Christians, matter was a good thing, part of God's creation. Indeed, the incarnation of Jesus says, teaches, implies that the body itself is very good. Let's look then at Jesus in prayer. We see, first of all, that Jesus himself was a man of prayer. We read about him praying many times in the Gospels. Sometimes even entire nights he spent in prayer. He also gives us teaching on prayer. He tells us that when we pray, for example, go to our private room, a place where we can be alone with God. He also tells us to use few words in our prayer, that God is not impressed by a multitude of words, fancy words, elaborate words, and so forth, to say yes if we mean yes and no if we mean no. He says that we should ask in faith for the things that we need, knowing that good God is a good God, and God wants to give us good things. God wants more for us even than we want for ourselves. That we need to be persistent in prayer as well. And of course, he gives us the Lord's Prayer. There's this one instance in Scripture where the apostles of Jesus ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. They must have been impressed by his manner of prayer and the peace that he had and the joy that came from his prayer. And so they were wanting to know just how do we do this? How do we get what you got? And he shares with them the Lord's Prayer, which, as we shall see, is more of a formula for prayer, defining certain attitudes to have in prayer. Let's look now at Paul and prayer. Paul had many teachings on prayer. There's 68 references to prayer in Paul's epistles. Paul's early days as a Christian were spent in prayer. At least we can uh, surmise that that was the case, that after his conversion, he spent years in the deserts of Arabia before beginning his missionary church. And during that time, uh, it's very likely that he was in prayer and study and reflection on the meaning of his conversion, of Christ's resurrection, and so forth. When he emerges as a missionary, he is a man filled with the Spirit and very encouraging of prayer. And so that's the next thing we notice about him is his encouragements. He's constantly encouraging people to pray. He'll say in Colossians 3.16, for example, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. In Colossians 2, or rather Colossians 4, verses 2 to 4, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, meanwhile praying also for us, that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So again and again in his uh, writings, Paul uh, 
uh, emerges as or is uh, shown as a man encouraging prayer and a man of prayer himself. He begins his epistles with prayer. He closes them with prayer. And so uh, he tells us in one place that he prays in the spirit uh, lots of times during the day, more than anyone else, uh, he will say. He mentions different types of prayer in his writings. Prayers of praise, thanksgiving, intercession, petition, all the different kinds of prayer that we still practice today and that you would expect to find in a relationship where people have different kinds of needs and different kinds of feelings that they're sharing with each other and so it is with God. He speaks of praying in the Spirit, which can mean in union with the Holy Spirit, but it can also mean that mysterious prayer gift Glossolalia, or praying in tongues, a mysterious prayer language that bypasses the mind and rational reflection. It's a kind of contemplative prayer. Looking at early Christian history, a document from the first century, at least that's when many scholars believe it was written, the Didache, teaching of the twelve apostles or early Christians it's basic instruction on the Christian life. Remember that the early Christians were probably people who couldn't read. Their tradition was primarily oral, and so the teaching was handed on by word of mouth. And so there weren't as many writings as we, we would have liked. And those that have uh, come to us through the uh, centuries that have been preserved, uh, copied, and so forth, it's very precious indeed. And the Didache is one such collection. In the Didache, it does mention the Lord's Prayer, uh, the Gospel of Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer, the one we commonly pray. And uh, it encourages prayers of praise and thanksgiving. About the Lord's Prayer, it says to pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day. And you might think, Oh, wow, that's a piece of cake. I can pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day, over and done in five minutes. But I suspect they meant to pray it slowly and reflectively, thinking about the words and seeing how they uh, illuminate one's life. But again, we don't find a lot more. Uh, we find more on attitudes about prayer than specific prayer methods. When we get to the writings of the desert fathers and mothers from the 4th century onward, uh, we begin to see more of a systematic approach to prayer and spirituality. It was about that time in history, in the 4th century onward, when Christianity became the official state religion of Rome, that it became safe for the Christians to practice their religion in public. And numerous people went into the Middle Eastern deserts to live in silence, in solitude, in prayer, as a way of proving their faith. And uh, they began to take note more of what was happening to them in their spiritual lives. So the writings of those times give us uh, accounts of stages of spiritual growth, of the deadly sins, of the redeeming virtues, we begin to see the practice of spiritual direction 
and some uh, discussion of methods of prayer. One method in particular that's come to us, hesychasm and the Jesus prayer. Hesychasm refers to inner rest and quiet, going to one's inner room and closing the door. And so it's a prayer that seeks to know God through interior silence and solitude. And there's a very definite method with uh, hesychasm. It's the Jesus prayer, where one prays, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And there are shorter variants where one might simply say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And sometimes this prayer is, uh, is repeated in synchrony with the breath. So inhaling, one breathes in, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. And in exhaling, have mercy on me, a sinner. People who practice this prayer regularly uh, often reported having profound mystical experiences, experiences of inner light and sound, uh, transformation, closeness to God. The monks at Mount Athos, in particular, uh, are, are uh, well known for the practice of this prayer. A 19th century book entitled The Way of the Pilgrim goes into more discussion of the Jesus Prayer. Then we come to monasticism from the 5th, 6th century onward. In monasticism, we find even more uh, development of a systematic approach to spirituality and the Christian life. A deep understanding of prayer that develops keeping the hours of the day in prayer. Um, more communal prayer methods developing in the use of the Psalms. The emphasis in monasticism on silence and solitude and simplicity. And so from that time onward, from monastic times onward, the life of prayer in Christianity begins to get more formal treatment. And we see uh, more discussion of methods of prayer as well. Always, however, they maintain that context of a covenantal perspective, the God who seeks us in love, the relationship between a creature and a creator, and uh, this dialogical relational form that is at the heart of Christian prayer, even in its silent contemplative experiences. <laughs>